welcome to another episode of Exposit the Truth, where it's all about the clear understanding of the living Word of God and how to apply it to everyday life. Okay, so on this lesson, we are on the topic of salvation, about how we are saved, and it's going to be on the topic of how we are saved by grace and through faith. By grace and through faith, not by works. And so we're going to dive into three books of the Bible, Ephesians, Titus, and Romans. Um, and here's a takeaway. And I love this quote, um, my, one of my favorite Bible teachers, John MacArthur, Dr. John MacArthur. And he is giving this quote on true salvation and realizing if you have it or if you don't have it, and because there are so many that are self-deceived. And so here's a quote. There are some who say, They are saved without realizing they were lost. They want the byproducts of a relationship without the relationship. They want the byproducts of salvation without salvation. They want the forgiveness without repentance. They want the repentance without repentance. So that's kind of confusing there. So what that means is uh, repentance of changing, transforming, becoming something new without changing them, wanting to change and turn away from how they're living. So repentance means changing and turning away. So they want to change without turning away from living a sinful life. They want the salvation without submission. They fool around with the Bible. They chase signs and wonders. They have no real relationship with God. End quote. So on this lesson... We're going to take a thorough look at what God's word says about how true salvation is obtained. One of the biggest lies the devil has been deceiving people with is false religion. Trusting in some kind of work-based system uh, is simply a lie that he's, you know, that devil has been successfully, uh, you know, deceiving people with. That you can be saved by a system of works. Satan has been using this lie for thousands of years. Look at the prime example of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were deceived in believing that very lie, as it is today, by the most common examples of Catholics, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and many other systems of belief that you can be saved by your works. Okay, and with that, let's go into the first passage of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. He's talking about Satan ruling the world right now, and he has been. It's not too far-fetched. You can just turn on the news and you can understand the evil going on. Is because Satan is the ruler of this world. Verse 3, Among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him 
in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. All right, so in verse 4, when it refers to mercy and love, it refers to how salvation comes from God's glory uh, by putting on display his boundless mercy and love for those who are spiritually dead because of their sinfulness. Uh, and that's all of us, or all of us at one point in our life, we were living a life of being spiritually dead and in sinfulness. So but that's why we have to become born again. No one is born born again. You have to become born again by simply putting to death um, the acts of the flesh and how you want to live for your sin. All right, in verse 8, where it says, Faith, this is not of your own doing. Uh, although people are required to believe for salvation, uh, even that faith is a part of the gift of God, which saves and cannot be exercised by one's own power. God's grace is preeminent in every aspect of salvation. Um, and so a good example about this power and gift of faith is um, a clear example of this is when you see the persecution of Christians. How does a teenager who we are all naturally born with a fear of dying, of course, right? We all have a fear of dying. I don't care who you are. You have a fear of dying. Uh, you're, you're the richest man in the world and you build all these bunkers and want to hide under the ground for what? Because fear of dying, right? But so how does, a, how does a, even a young person that makes absolutely no sense to want to not have any fear of death, but praises God with fear uh, and the, the, the fear of death and the death coming upon them right in front of their face, like they're about to be executed, right? They're about to be murdered for their belief. How does that happen? How does that happen where they have this, this boldness that surpasses all understanding because it's a very human thing to do to be afraid and not want to die and say or do whatever to avoid death. But this person, a person that is about to be persecuted and put to death, has the power to overcome that. How is that? That is a gift from God, the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we see salvation cannot be earned by works, but by grace through faith. It is by God's grace we are given the gift of salvation, and through unending and unwavering faith, we live a new life after becoming saved. Every believer should have a memory of becoming transformed, uh, either by attitude, behavior, stopping an addiction, or some other sin in which causes anxiety or insecurity. Uh, you should never wonder if you're saved or not, if you are truly saved. You live a totally different new life with a true relationship with Christ, living for Him, living for Christ, living for Jesus' God's kingdom. Um, and so the new self is at peace, knowing that they live 
for our new purpose. That purpose for God's kingdom in which no power in existence can stop or come against. Okay, and the next passage of scripture, Titus 3, verses 1 through 11. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to be peaceable, considerate, demonstrating all gentleness to all men. For we ourselves also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the kindness and affection of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not by works, which we did in righteousness, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we would become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be intent to lead in good works. These things are good and profitable for men. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and conflicts about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning. So a factious person is someone who is divided, uh, basically on both sides of the argument all the time, um, never have come to a solid conclusion with, uh, you know, evidence, like, you know, God's word, all of scripture. There is overwhelming evidence. And so, uh, either be hot or cold, right? Uh, there is no lukewarm. And Jesus said that himself in Revelation. Um, and so that's what that means. Uh, so reject a factious man after a first and second warning. So don't even be around them. Don't even try to argue with them. You're just wasting your time because they, they, they've already you know chosen to live that way. And verse 11, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. All right, so on verse 5, it says, not because of works. Uh, of course, that's obviously means salvation has never been by deeds or works, uh, but by according to his own mercy. Uh, verse 7, is it, when it refers to being justified, uh, the central truth of salvation is justification by faith alone. And so giving a little bit more detail about when we talk about through faith, Right, it has to be an unwavering faith, um, without doubt. So that's the key, uh, you know, trusting in His Word and and having His Word as the absolute authority over your life at the same time. Okay, so there has to be uh, unwavering, you know, uh, without any doubt, uh, because this is the issue with many Christians today, is that they think they're saved, but they don't put God's Word over their life as the absolute authority, and so this type of faith is believing in all of God's promises that what he has done has been done what he's currently doing he is doing you know what he's going to do in the future you know in the world and in my life he will do so this is the kind of faith we're talking about we're not just talking about oh I'm you know just I'm saved now so I can live however you know and, and be free you know I can live however I want no that's not 
what it's talking about. Uh, you live a new life for God's kingdom and not our own. So it's that's where transformation, true transformation, really comes in. And you don't live by your opinions or other people's opinions. You live by God's truth. So when sinners repent, they place their faith in Jesus Christ. God declares them just, imputes the righteousness of Christ to them, and gives them eternal life by virtue of the substitutionary death of Christ as the penalty for their iniquity. Okay, and let's read one more passage of Scripture here in Romans 3, 21-31. This passage is titled, The Righteousness of God Through Faith. So, 21, But now, apart from the law, of the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith, for a demonstration of His righteousness, because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by law of faith. For we maintain what a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that faith, is one. Do we then abolish the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Okay, so in verse 20, it talks about works of the law. Uh, and that means doing perfectly what God's moral law requires is impossible. All right? No one can perfectly follow the law. All right? And look at every world religion, no one can follow it. Whatever the religion says, you know, rule number one through 2,000, you know, and you're constantly breaking all the laws because it's not possible because of sin. So that every person is cursed by that inability. All right? We're not possible. Uh, but verse 21, uh, but now... Uh, means by having shown the impossibility of gaining righteousness by human effort, right? So it's not possible to gain righteousness by human effort. He turns to explain the righteousness that God himself has provided. Uh, Righteousness uh, in the sense of uh, how it's unique, right? So number one, God is its source. So God is a source of righteousness. Does not come from humans like people think they do. All right, nothing comes out of good, good out of humans. It's really bad. It's actually really bad. And anyone who does good comes from God's law. I don't know if you pay attention to what's coming out of a person, like forgiving, uh, being loving, peaceful, uh, being kind and gentle. Those are all from God's law, not from humans. Humanism is saying, "I'm going to do what I have to do to survive." That means if I have to hurt you, 
take from you, murder you, steal from you, cheat on you, uh, which is the commonality of today's society, right? And has been going on for thousands of years. That's human nature. If you think humans are good by their own deeds and their own laws, that means I can hurt other people all day long and have no shame and guilt or nothing. So yes, God is definitely the source of all righteousness, not us humans, uh, despite what we think, right? So and number two, it fulfills both the penalty and precept of God's law. Uh, Christ's death as a substitute pays the penalty exacted on those who fail to keep God's law. And his perfect obedience to every requirement of God's law fulfills God's demand for comprehensive righteousness. Verse 28, where it says justified by faith, uh, Paul's clear meaning is that a person is justified on the basis of faith alone, right? So not by works. Okay, and with all that said, here is a time for response. How do I respond to this knowledge? How should a true believer feel when it comes to the security of salvation? So my security, how I feel, if, you're, if I'm having any doubt or anxiety, that should not be there because God keeps his promises. And if I fully trust him and believe and follow him, there is no doubt. There should not be. But if you are feeling anxious, not knowing where you are with your salvation, you may need to pursue God through true repentance. So once again, repentance means turn away, turn around how you are living your life. And truly establish the level of trust that perhaps has never been established before. Maybe you never really just fully trusted in God's promises and his word before. So you need to really establish it. This may require steps of acquiring more spiritual maturity through deeper moments of prayer, reading scriptures, uh, being part of a small group, being more involved with church, uh, either through serving or volunteering. On the other hand, if you feel at peace, thus meaning spiritually at peace without anxiety or doubt, then you know it is by grace through faith. You have been saved. And the love of God that transcends all understanding will automatically come out of you. So it's not just like an internal thing where you just know it, you know, and but yet you just continue to live for your own life. That's not possible. If you are truly saved uh, and Christ is living in you indeed, then the love that comes from God, that comes from Christ, will flow through you and out of you and touch other people's lives. And so it will be known, uh, just like John 3.19 says, um, that it has been done by God. All right, And so no one will have to remind you to serve, worship, pray, and love His Word because you truly love Him, engaging in a true relationship. Okay, and with that said, I hope that you take away from this lesson um, the way of true salvation and how it is obtained. Uh, it is not by works or anything that anyone can do, but by grace through faith.